Welcome to Living Life. Uh, recently, I read an article in the newspaper about a man who committed unemployment fraud. Uh, he collected over a million dollars in unemployment benefits uh, that were meant for people who had lost their jobs because of the pandemic. Uh, but it wasn't the fraud aspect that caught my attention. You know, many people, they commit fraud, but they're not really in the newspaper. Uh, it wasn't even the amount, you know, a million dollars, a lot of money, but it's not like a tremendous, tremendous amount of money. Uh, but it was actually how he got caught that caught my attention. Uh, he actually bragged about his scheme on his social media page. He made videos and posted it on Instagram about how he was frauding uh, America and the whole scheme. And then he made a whole music video about it where he came out holding all the envelopes that he received, uh, receiving these you know, unemployment benefits. Uh, the music video, it went up in September. About a month later in October, he was arrested. And now he's being tried for all of this. And I thought to myself, uh, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, today as we continue our meditation on the book of Daniel, we actually see what pride actually is. And we actually see what comes from this pride. And God is able to show us you know, what the true definition of pride is through today's passage. So join me in reading the passage together. Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 37. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence, by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exult and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. To fully understand today's passage, uh, we actually have to go back to yesterday's. Uh, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar, 
he had this indecipherable dream and he was so like shook by it and no one in the kingdom was able to actually interpret it uh, no one except one person uh, the hero of this book daniel and daniel he prophesies after hearing about the dream that the king will be driven away from the people that the king will live as a wild animal and all of this will happen until the king is finally able to acknowledge that god yahweh god is the sovereign lord of all and after all of this david he issues a very careful warning to the king he says renounce your sins by doing what is right it may be that then your prosperity will continue uh, sally uh, daniel's warning it did not live that long only a month after daniel told the king this and uh, today's passage opens by saying all this happened to king nebuchadnezzar everything that god prophesied everything that god showed daniel happened exactly the way that he said he would uh, king nebuchadnezzar uh, he went crazy you know he started living like a wild animal he started eating the grass he was driven away from his people this mighty king of the greatest empire at this time uh, was acting like a wild man a wild animal a beast out in the fields so why what caused all this and what was the king's great sin that he had to pay uh, for like in this manner you know, we know that King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. He had this amazing, absolute power at this time. You know, he was also a great architect. He was known for his visionary uh, just way that he was able to build his city and his emperor. You know, we have the seven wonders of the world, if you're familiar with that. With the original seven wonders of the world, two of them actually belonged to Babylon. Uh, number one was his hanging gardens uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar built for his wife. And the secondly was the walls of Babylon. They were considered so great. Uh, they were considered one of the original seven wonders of the world. And how amazing must everything must have been uh, to make this original list. Uh, his city was majestic. It was grand. It was powerful. He had all this great wealth. He was this visionary architect. He had everything. He was powerful, smart. King Nebuchadnezzar, he had it all. Uh, he had it all and he liked to show it and think about it you know everything that he commanded people followed if he wanted someone killed people did it if he wanted to uh, bring his armies tens and hundreds of thousands of people from one area to another they had to listen you know that was the power that nebuchadnezzar had if he said hey i want to build this somehow people had to make it happen you know, he had this great power that he could wield at any moment. So walking on this day off his roof of his royal palace in Babylon, you know, we really can't blame the guy for being able to think, wow, how amazing is all of this? And that's exactly what he does. You know, we see in today's passage, this is what he says while he's looking over his, you know, majestic and grand city. He says, is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? You know, he says this, but then in that moment, that's when pride hits his heart. Uh, and that's why pride is so dangerous, because it comes at a moment's notice. And it could come as a very small thought or even a small statement like the one that King Nebuchadnezzar just made. Uh, but once it's out there, it engulfs everything. Every last part of your being is now filled with this pride. So now it begs the question, why was King Nebuchadnezzar not allowed to enjoy his success? You know, what's so wrong? about what King Nebuchadnezzar just said out loud or what he thought inside of his heart. Uh, perhaps we need to read it again to get to the heart of this matter. 
Once again, he says, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Uh, I added those emphasis. You know, pride is such a dangerous sin and such a powerful sin because it puts the self over everything. Everything becomes secondary to the self. And never mind all the different people and the circumstances that allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to stand where he was standing at that moment. Uh, but even God becomes secondary to your own self. And because Nebuchadnezzar had this in his heart, he's able to pay the price for it. You know, pride is at the core of every sin. You know, behind every sin is this heart that says that I am more important, that I know more, that I am actually greater than God. And even though you might not be able to say it out loud, your sins actually reveals that in your heart, that I can do this on my own. I'm responsible for my own life. I did this all by myself. That's what pride tells us inside. And if you look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, what was their sin? They were able to say, I am like God now. I can tell the difference between what is good and what is wrong. And no, they actually couldn't. You know, if you read the story about the Babel Tower, what was their sin? Their sin was saying that I have the power to build all of these structures, that I have this wisdom, this technology, that God is useless. I could reach the heavens by myself. Once again, no, none of that was actually possible. Think about Pharaoh in Egypt, represented sin in the Old Testament. He was a God that he was on the same level, if not greater than Yahweh God, that he was worshiped by millions of his subjects, that he could do everything, that he controlled everything, that he could achieve salvation and do all that stuff that he wanted just by being who he is. And the answer once again was no. He had absolutely no control, not over, not, own, not even his own subject, his own area. If you go to the New Testament, look at the Pharisees. What was their heart? What was their sin? They did all these great things. But in their heart, it said, I can achieve salvation. I can do good things. I can do all of these things on my own. And by doing these things, I can be saved. I can be with God. And that was a logical fallacy that they believed in. You know, the heart behind all sin is pride. Pride is giving yourself credit for something God has already accomplished. Or pride is saying that I have done it, even though God is the one that allowed it to happen in the first place. Pride is failing to recognize that everything, and I mean everything, is by the grace of God. You know, as Daniel prophesied, King Nebuchadnezzar, he became like a wild animal. Uh, his hair grew like a feather of an eagle. Uh, his nails like a claw of a bird. Uh, he was basically insane. He lived like a beast. Uh, I was reading this one book, and this is what he said about King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the writer said, A man who thinks he is like a god must become a beast to learn that he is only a human being. Uh, god was reminding Nebuchadnezzar that he was nothing but a human being. He is not God, nowhere close to God, and that nothing that he did came by himself. Only when King Nebuchadnezzar is able to acknowledge the sovereign power of God is then he is finally restored. Uh, we read in verse 34, at the end of that time, uh, and this is a self-proclamation, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him 
who lives forever. You know, humbling himself, Nebuchadnezzar finally looked up to God and said, everything that I have has come from you. My achievements, my status, my possessions, everything has come from you. You know, restoration begins when you look toward God. Instead of looking inside yourself, restoration begins when you're able to look up to God. Stop looking down, stop looking at the self, and you got to just look up to God. That simple gesture, that simple gesture is all that it takes to humble yourself and to see that it is God that has given you everything. You know, today's passage, it reminds us that we need to either humble ourselves or we will be humbled. That if we don't take the time to humble our own selves and to acknowledge God for who he truly is, we will be humbled. Uh, it might not be in this exact moment, but someday, someday soon, that pride comes before the fall every time. When it is me over God, when it is my will over God's will, even in the smallest, tiniest ways, that we will be humble, that we will be brought down low, lower than we ever wish for ourselves. So today, as we meditate on this word, uh, we need to think to ourselves, where are we the most vulnerable? Where am I the most vulnerable? Where in my life am I placing myself over God? Where am I most prideful. You know, it may not be in the obvious places that we think, but if God is not in charge of that one area in your life, it means that someone else is, and usually it's yourself. You know, even the greatest king of his generation was able to acknowledge and glorify God, though he was a pagan king. And he was able to say that the king of heaven controls everything, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I pray today that everyone is able to remember these words, this confession of a foreign king, and to be able to live exactly by these words of God. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that Jesus, who being in his very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, even Jesus chose to humble himself and walk the path that was set forth by his Father. Today, I pray that everyone worshiping here with us uh, may humble ourselves and follow in the very footsteps of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and be obedient to the will of God. Let us all pray. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for giving us this message and reminding us that so often in our lives that we are choosing ourselves over you. Pray, Lord Father God, that through this word that you're able to illuminate all those different areas where we are actually doing so, where we choose ourselves, or we're choosing the world over you. Pray, Lord Father God, in all of those areas, that we're able to surrender ourselves and devote ourselves and, like Jesus, be obedient to your will and your will only. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This program is 청취자 여러분의 소중한 후원으로 제작됩니다. 
세상에는 수많은 교회들이 있지만 더 깊이 있는 말씀 강해를 찾기 위해 크기로만 교회를 선정하지 않습니다. 보다 좋은 영적 콘텐츠를 더 많이 나누기 위해 방송비를 받지 않습니다. 1년 365일 복음만 전하고 싶어서 우리는 광고를 하지 않습니다. 온누리의 복음을 땅끝까지 CGN TV와 함께 땅끝 성교사가 되주세요